Our This Week in XR podcast is sponsored by our friends at Sapper, the world's leading augmented reality platform and creative studio. With over 11 years of experience working with the world's biggest brands through Zapper Creative Studio. Zapper also has an award-winning web AR platform, Zapworks, that lets you create your own mobile AR magic. Finally, check out their Zap Box, the most affordable mixed reality headset on the planet. Start creating AR over at zap.works or talk to them about your next AR project at zapper.com. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, March 3rd, 2023. I'm Charlie Fink with This Week in XR with my colleagues, Ronnie Abovitz and Ted Shilowitz. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Morning, it's March 3rd. It is an auspicious day in the history of the Thing family because my second granddaughter, Juno, is born today. Oh, congratulations. How about that? Happy birthday. Very exciting. Yeah, happy birthday, Juno. Happy zero birthday. Awesome. So um, it, 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 makes, it makes the world of tech seem small for just a brief mm -hmm. moment. So we've got a great guest today related to... Um, uh, speaking of uh, something that is not small, Qualcomm, uh, Hugo Swart, it's a VP uh, and GM of their XR business, uh, is going to be uh, uh, coming to us live from Barcelona, Spain, to tell us about Mobile World Congress. There was, it didn't seem like there was a whole hell of a lot in the way of big stories out of Mobile World Congress. Uh, I guess Qualcomm has a, a big deal that they, uh, came out with this morning about uh, their uh, Snapdragon Spaces alliance with uh, some of the big telcos. And then there's this other company, Yomi, is that Xomi? How do you Sh pronounce Sh it? Xiaomi. Xiaomi. Xiaomi uh, showed off the NAR headset that got a lot of attention, uh, was was picked up, but, but not a whole lot of information beyond a few tech specs in terms of when it would be released or what the apps would actually be. Mm. So uh, anyway, we'll get up and you're full about um, MWC from uh, Hugo. Uh, definitely jealous of everybody who enjoyed a, a little boondoggle over to uh, Barcelona for MWC. Uh, and uh, yeah, then we got some straight up news. Sounds good. Yeah. And Qualcomm is certainly friend of the show, friend of XR. Uh, you know, they, they, they effectively, other than, you know, the, the, the world of Magic Leap, which of course Roni knows well, and potentially the world of Apple, they own the chipset that effectively every major manufacturer that runs in VR and XR and MR these days uses, and they keep advancing that. And their announcement, while not splashy, is substantial because you know they're working with so many of these OEM partners and vendors to build the world of XR devices that Sooner or later, someone's going to crack the code and build the one that everybody wants, right? And it's going to be more than likely on a Qualcomm chipset. They've, to talk to you. they've, they've done an amazing, amazing job uh, executing this strategy. And uh, we've gotten a pretty good look at it. Um, you know, they would not really have been on my radar other than the fact that they sponsor AWE every year. The first year I went in 2016, they were like, the main sponsor and uh so it's like huh what's a big chip company doing here you know so <laughs> i've learned a lot from watching them and one of the things that they've talked about a lot uh and i we were talking about this in relation to this company muwari a few weeks ago is that that you know doing you know we always thought oh well 5g headsets will work much better with 5g and of course in theory they should <laughs> but, theory, yes. but it turns out that because the content is two-way right. and because right. of the yeah. latency the latency issue is actually aggravated so 5g has actually not solved anything it's just shown us how bad a position we really are in and qualcomm has come up with an engineered a solution they call dual compute right. and uh it is a big piece of infrastructure it has to be put in place, not just software, but also hardware, both on the carrier side and also in the handsets. So it's like an insanely ambitious, huge thing to take on, mm. right? Yeah. And they so they took this thing on, I'm going to say about four or five years ago, they started talking about dual compute and their concern about uh, 5G being inadequate 
to uh, deal with the issues. I mean, great to download a movie, not so good if you're downloading a movie back and forth. So, uh, you know, there was a trap there in 5G uh, that they have actually engineered an incredibly complicated solution because, as I said, it's not just atoms we're talking about here, but we're, I mean, not just bits we're talking about here, but we're also talking about atoms and, um, you know, changing the, um, the infrastructure, both uh, in the you know in the physical world and in terms of the cellular yeah, system and the phone, I mean it's just an incredibly huge undertaking, and they've actually done a pretty amazing job. It seems executing it. Yeah, it's one thing to solve one-way latency; it's a whole other animal to solve bidirectional latency. And it's you know it's a major engineering undertaking, and the fact that it's working at all is kind of a miracle. So yeah, so we'll get we'll get into that with uh, with Hugo. Um, here's here's an interesting uh, story that came up uh, I, I, uh, from a company in Israel called Hexa 3D, uh, which has um, uh, a system for taking 2D photos like you would see in um, e-commerce, like on a Walmart or Amazon. You know, you have that one photo and all those little chiclets next to it. So that's going away. And instead, you're going to get a 3D asset and you're just going to mouse over it and it's going to, uh, you know, and you can look at it from any angle, zoom in, uh, zoom out, all that. And Hexa delivers that uh, and they have a management system for it. And you as the vendor don't have to do anything. They're just going to, to construct the asset from the pictures that you have there now. Yeah, this, I would say this this is starting to emerge into like a sector now, right? This idea of using uh, your your phone and sort of low cost devices and and consumer level devices to start to build three D assets and then utilize them. There's another company I was looking at. I'm curious if you and Roni know them called Luma AI. Um, I was just looking at that, and they're kind of doing stuff in similar space. It's it's an interesting thing that like this isn't an outlier now. There's a number of companies that are doing this. Uh, and finding use cases for this. So we're moving from 2D as a mainstream image plane to potentially 3D as a mainstream image plane and image usage because it's and, not and, as exotic anymore. And Charlie and Ted, full disclosure, right? Because I know way too much about this. I've been I've been assisting a uh, an Israeli startup who's a competitor to Hexa called 3D Phi. And so Ted is right about this as an emerging sector. Um, and what's really interesting is like all the nuances of like this progression. I'm going to use the M word for a second. The progression from the 2D flat internet to the spatial internet, or God forbid us saying it, the metaverse, because I know meta is not allowed to use the word metaverse anymore. But the, the spatial internet, which is going to require 3D objects. So you think about all these interesting startups who are building these like AI appliance machines to just automate the conversion of what might be billions of photos and, and other things into useful high fidelity 3D objects to populate the, the metaverse. And what's really impressive, because I've, I've been tracking Hexa and, and obviously the company I'm helping and others, just the, the immense capability I'm seeing in just the last 12, 18 months on what used to take a 3D modeler, you know, maybe a week or, or hours, this is happening in seconds. Yeah. Uh, and then and, and you could just see where it's going. And this is like one of the necessary conditions for spatial internet to happen, right? Like, you know, Ted, you always talk about like, where are we in the timeline? And I think mm -hmm. these companies are necessary for this middle period, right? You can't get to that end game unless you have all these new tools and we stumble forward and figure out. So what's interesting is these kind of tool providers, my sense is they all get rolled up one day by like an Amazon or, or something like that. So it just becomes a natural part or an Apple, like a natural part of how you make things like, oh, I just took a photo and now it's a super high fidelity 3D object that's articulated and smart. And, and, and when, if you're 10 years old today, by the time you're in college, that's just going to be a total expectation out of whatever device you have. But it's yeah. really interesting that these companies are emerging right now. Super cool. Yeah. I'd be curious when you guys take a peek at this Luma, it's called Luma labs. Um, they're another one in the sector that seems to do, be doing really interesting stuff with, you know, using iPhone cameras. And, and by the way, Roni on your on the M word, I, I have discovered a new little nugget that seems to be working for me. I refuse to now call it the metaverse. I've just shortened it to MV, 
Um, kind of like, you know, when Kentucky Fried Chicken shortened to KFC and Federal Express went to FedEx. Uh, <laughs> now I just say, yeah, in the MV, it's this. Somehow that's working better for me and other people. It's just, uh, it's, a, it's a little more encapsulated. Can, can we less talk about that for word. a second? Like the silliness <laughs> of like all the stuff that makes the MV or Amverse or Metaverse. Yeah, it's already working, still working on. They just feel by not saying the word, Wall Street analysts will leave them alone. Yes. <laughs> just, just ridiculous, right? Yes. Like, like people are not, maybe they are that perceptually not smart, but like, I mean, everyone's still working on it. They're just calling it something else. Right. So I think we should start this as a, as a This Week in XR trend, Charlie. It's now called the, the MV. MV. The MV. It's kind of like the DMZ, you know, the MV. <laughs> so here's here's an interesting story that came up this week. You Actually, we were texting about it earlier this week. The roadmap that the Verge leaked. Yeah. Uh, that is hardware roadmap. Yeah. It's a, lot, mean, of, a lot of time packed there. You, you, you want to you wanna go at it? Should we go at it? Well, I... I you know, first of all, I don't know how Alex Heath is like an employee. I mean, he just like gets this stuff. Yeah, I'm so and... curious. I mean, because you're, you know, you're a member of the of the legit press, Charlie. How does he get <laughs> so inside all this stuff? How does he I know? He's all got, this I mean, he's got somebody at Meta. Called a disgruntled employee. Got a source. Yeah. He's got, he's got a, I mean, That's there's funny. like 3,000 people in this group that he's following. So, right. I, I mean... You know, three well, can, seems to three can keep a dope. secret if two are dead. Yeah, he definitely seems to get the inside dope on this stuff. It's pretty impressive. So, by the way, if it's true, right? Like, I was on the other side of, of let's say, people like that leaking things that were anywhere from 0% true to maybe 30%. So we yeah. can't assume, because someone says, I have this inside track, that it actually is true, right? They're just saying it is, and they said, we have a reliable source. That could be an employee who was fired Right. six months ago who was like angry and you know right. like those sources sometimes are really really not good and you know the information quality could be anywhere so i, I mean how many times has apple not launched because some yeah. reporter is saying they're a lot and apple has not said anything so all of it is just made up nonsense noise um legit journalists like charlie never do that uh but others others tend to peddle in some of that so yeah, I, I don't know you gotta take it all with a grain of salt what came out uh, in, in the verge well i think the one thing that is that is legit is the quest 3 right the trajectory to the quest 3 is a big deal and you know i mean i might get in a in a good amount of hot water for saying this but i believe the quest 2 is a full-on hit i believe the quest pro is a dud and i believe the quest three will be a full-on hit they have learned a hard lesson from the quest pro and they're going back to the well and they're going to do the right things for the next one that's, that's what I, I think can I, can I agree and disagree with you slightly yeah i agree the quest two is a hit i think like you know 20 million and people like disregard those numbers but those are important numbers in oh, vr yeah. and, and the price point for for lower end consumer vr i think was really well defined there the the quest pro is part of what I call Gemini. And if you have the perspective of someone like Mark or someone who is running a program, you have to put those up in the air and you have to learn. And it may be a dud to the market, but it's not a dud to their program. That like is they true. clearly learned a lot. And there's no way to learn by not putting things out there. Like if you just do it in the lab or just beta test with 50 people, it's not the same thing. So they'll get, I, my sense is they're going to do three or four more what we would call a dud highly important learning experiences for the overall program super important in the end game and if they continue to do that fearlessly they will win i 100 percent agree despite all the negative feedback they get so i feel like it's not a market win but it is a program win if that makes sense. no i totally agree with you in fact i you know as you know i i lived that life maybe which i'm more sensitive to red, it yeah right. we had a number of hits with the red cameras various iterations and we definitely had a number of duds and you know we learned from the the thing about a dud is if you don't learn from it, it's a critical error. Then if it's you a dud. Learn from it, it's an extraordinarily beneficial. To your point about you know how you build a rocket program, sometimes they blow up, sometimes they don't work. But as long as you learn from that and you keep progressing the art form and the science forward, it's an important step. You're absolutely. Well, here's right. a Charlie question, Charlie. How do companies? I don't think I did a great job at this. I don't think Meta's doing a great job. Apple's just not saying anything. How do companies communicate the fact that these are very long iterative mm -hmm. programs and you're going to put out a lot of stuff and you have to learn by putting it out there and not all of them will be market hits. 
but all of them, if you're a good team, will be learning moments. Like, like that, that message. Well, of course, that's the story everyone wants to tell, right? That's the story everyone wants to tell about mistakes is that, yeah, it was a mistake, but we were practicing. So we weren't positive that, you know, this this was an important thing for us to fail at so that we could do the next thing. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, it's a good story and people try and tell that. And sometimes it's true. (laughs) Um, you know, I I don't, I don't, I never, I I mean, I'm a very credulous writer. I don't doubt the sincerity of the people who are trying to do these things. Uh, you know, once upon a time, I wasn't watching the other kids play. I was actually playing myself and, you know, we were doing everything we could, but you're doing something that no one has ever done before. So, I mean, how do you know if you're doing the right thing or not? There's no history to learn from. Yeah. So that's always the problem with technology and you're out on the edge and there's just not a lot of history to pull from. Uh, I think, you know, also, you know, what's happened in the past 50 years is kind of unprecedented, uh, you know, in in the history of man. So I, I think, you know, it's, um, you know, progress is is inevitable and, you know, we'll tell ourselves whatever we need to tell ourselves to keep pushing. Well, Roni and I, Roni and I certainly have the battle scars to show from that yeah. philosophy, and we're still here. Yeah. We're still here fighting. So, you know, Charlie, one one thing in that article though, which I I believe is true because I've heard the folks say it directly to me, um, is that you know the the long term bullishness of Mark of the future uh, capability of AR specifically, mm. right? Which which I obviously you guys know what camp I'm in, but like I think. He's not relenting on that bullishness because it's it's actually highly irrational to be backing off. If you run a major computer company or in computing and you disregard AR, it's at like a very radically stupid risk to your company because it is the likely successor of mobile in the sense that mobile phones don't go away. They evolve into something else, right? And I, I want to relate this back to what you said about Xiaomi. Xiaomi demonstrated not the world's best headset, or the greatest phone. They demonstrated that they have solved some of the communication issues wirelessly. The rumors are it's a blend of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. And what's gonna happen is Qualcomm's, Apple's, others with huge budgets are going to take that middle Xiaomi solution, which is blending the two streams into something else, which is the stream XR really needs. Mm. That's going to be kind of awesome. I think someone like Mark is probably predicting that's probably going to happen around 27. And if you think about form factor, you could probably take like an ML2 through two more iterations. Now imagine what that looks like now wirelessly connected to something the size of an iPhone in your pocket. So four years from now, that's, that's, why, that's why I think that 27 is actually not crazy. So imagine, you know, you guys have worn an ML2, take that idea, two more clicks, of refinement and field of view and you know all kinds of amazing things now reduce its weight get rid of the wire use some kind of like next gen of what Xiaomi was demonstrating right now and you could totally see that may become a breakthrough period of time for for AR because now I'm getting like Oakley level and I've got wireless that's at the right bandwidth and it could sit in my pocket with a little puck right it's not going to be everything on your head so like the kind of design issues that need to get solved feel like they're moving in that direction. So I think what Xiaomi signaled was actually quite important that we really are at a, at a very important inflection point of this communication uh, back and forth. So I, I think it was actually a big deal. Yeah, and Charlie, if you, if you go back in time, think about whatever Oculus Connected was probably now five, six, maybe even seven years ago when Mark was on stage showing, you know, on a big slide, this is where I'm headed. And it was the glasses, like, full-on glasses he's like this is the north star and it's going to take a long time and you know six seven years later they're on the path right so it's very interesting well charlie here's the funny thing everybody knows this is the the mount of everest right the interesting thing is there's no surprise at the end game the only surprise is what's the road up the mountain and how fast and do you get eaten by yetis or avalanches on the way (laughs) but the interesting (laughs) is everyone knows what the end state looks like it's not that's what's cool about the space. It's not a mystery. We know the top of Everest. You're just racing to get there. Did you, do you think the same thing happened with the awareness of the form factor of what we just now commonly call the laptop, right? The, the form factor of the laptop, remember the first Toshiba laptops that were like this thick and weighed, you know, and remember the first Apple portable, right? Which was like 22 pounds and it was like yeah. a portable computer. But somehow in our mind's eye, we all saw this paper thin 
little sort of notebooky thing. And that's ultimately what became the form factor and still yeah. holds to this day to the form and factor. Everyone's doing it, right? Like right. every single manufacturer makes the same form factor, but you know, Apple's got aluminum and this one's got black. And I mean, yeah. so, but, but it's all like they all got all the so same. I feel like we will all get to Everest sometime between 2027 and early 2030s. And by the way, that's that's what a lot of folks are not getting about this market. They they think like, oh yeah, let's move past uh, XR and metaverse. Like, wait a second, you're actually now in the mode where the biggest problems are being solved. It would be a huge mistake to take your eye off the ball. Well, I think that's all the news we've got. And I see we've got Hugo in the green room. So let us move on to our guest. Hey, guys. Hey, Hugo. It looks How's a little mind? funky. Oh, you got a little Max Headroom mm -hmm. going on there. Yeah. Uh, Matrix glitch. Yeah, I like that, it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's not a bad thing. Max cool, I like it. Are you getting this, Charlie? Thing. This is good yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, I see it. We're recording wow. it. It's the solar flares. It's 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 the uh, trouble with international communications. That's right. Imagine the holographic uh, uh, telepresence later. How is it going to be? You would you would think from the from the world of mobile world congress they would actually have the mobile world working, but apparently not. That's right. So hey, just, let me try to let me try to drop and come in again. That that's was good, that's good comedy. I like that. No, you got to keep some keep of that. that the oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I would that work for be. hours to create that effect. Like, yes, I love exactly. that. Exactly. You can now call that the Hugo effect, right? Make <laughs> that a little thing on like Twitch or something. Yes. You make a meme out of it. Yeah. It's glitch core. You know, I, yeah. I, yeah. This is like the Seinfeld podcast portion right now. Exactly. Have you guys, speaking of the Seinfeld, world have you watched the ai version of seinfeld the low poly seinfeld experience yeah it's, it's no i haven't seen it oh my god charlie it, it, charlie it's newsworthy there you are gotta moments, send me a link there are moments where it's really worthwhile let's, let's get them on the show let's get them on the All show right. we'll get back to that in a minute right. here he is hugo okay. swart from across the globe, looking very, very handsome. Uh, thanks for joining us, Hugo. Is the uh, as I said earlier, the VPN general manager of XR for Qualcomm, which is arguably or probably definitely the most important company in the XR ecosystem um, because of the incredible infrastructure that it has provided so many hardware and now software companies uh, to create experiences both for entertainment and for enterprise. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks for making time for us. Hi, guys. Uh, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, we had an incredible week here in Barcelona, following actually an incredible few months of uh, advancement uh, in XR and uh, happy to be chatting with you guys. So, so you and Qualcomm are still bullish on the whole prospect of the future, huh? We always are. That's our history. But, uh, you know, whether there is hype or not, you know, we make big bets. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we all see what's uh, happening with the, the metaverse discussion um, around, uh, you know, the, the hype that uh, finally, I think it's uh, slowing down. It's natural. It was expected. But we continue um, to invest in XR, in spatial compute, um, and enable the future. I see that you're you're kind of frozen there, but we're hearing you fine. So let's yeah. just keep rolling. Uh, but you know, obviously, one of the things that's pushing metaverse uh, and Meta Schadenfreude <laughs> and and Apple froth out of the news is that you know AI is breaking, as as Roni pointed out in uh, an earlier discussion. It's not unexpected to people who know what it is, but so many people don't know what it is that just to have it revealed you know, in the whole cloth, I don't know if he's hearing me, is kind of shocking, oh, yeah. but it's going to have a big, big impact on XR. I know you've kind of been anticipating this. Yeah. I mean, if you combine, uh, you know, advancements in spatial compute, advancements in 5G, advancements in AI, you know, that's the perfect marriage, right? When you put these three things together, uh, you know, amazing things uh, come, come to life. Um, I think you and I spoke back in AWE 2019, Charlie, and uh, and I remember you you pinged me after the keynote where we're talking about exactly these things. You know, it's the 
it's the split processing. You know, you can't do everything on your head, right? You can't, I mean, some of these um, immersive experiences that we um, target, I mean, they require, um, say, you know, more than 100 watts. Well, you're not going to have 100 watts in your head. You know, maybe you can accommodate <laughs> one watt in your head. And then you need split compute. And how do you have split compute? Well, you need extremely low latency. And, uh, you know, it's really uh, all these uh, three things coming together. Um, and, um, and AI, of course, critical for many things, right? Critical for um, some of the core kind of uh, perception algorithms that you need for spatial compute, like head tracking, hand tracking, eye tracking, kind of the user understanding, the world understanding. But also, as you, you know, now talk about uh, generative AI on how you create these worlds, right, with uh, less of a human um, uh, creation or, or helping the human creation with the generative AI. So these three together, super powerful. Um, and of course, uh, three areas that we at Qualcomm are investing uh, quite a bit. And you, and you guys, oh, go ahead, Charlie. No, no, I was going to say, so you just announced a slew of partnerships with the telcos. I mean, uh, it, to the point, you know, where why are the telcos uh, interested in XR, right? I think that there are a few uh, benefits, a few um, things that they're looking for. Um, of course, they have uh, made investments in, uh, in, in 5G infrastructure. Uh, they want to see that 5G network enabling the new use cases, enabling uh, new services and um, and XR and split compute is a great example of it. Um, what we're working with them, and let me go back actually to November, 2022. November, 2022, we announced that for those of you that are watching on, on video, we announced this little chip. Let me see if I get it on camera. It's uh, the um, AR2. Um, and the, the AR2 was announced uh, in our Snapdragon Summit as a, as a dedicated processor for AR glasses. But our main mode, the main theme around AR2 is that it's not a, a, a processor that enables you know, a standalone all-in-one glass. No, it enables the low latency uh, workloads, the low latency tasks to be done, done in the glass but then quickly and low latency connection to say your phone, your compute, approximate compute unit. And then, you know, that, that, that processing unit having 5G to the cloud. So then if you are a telco, if you're an operator, this is awesome because, hey, um, it plays along with the smartphone that everyone has today um, and it uses 5G so that you can have a richer, uh, experiences done with the help of, uh, of the cloud. So that's one example why I think the telcos are, are working so closely with us. Um, you saw um, Orange, uh, Deutsche Telekom, Telefonica, uh, KDDI, uh, Docomo, T-Mobile, not sure I'm missing anyone, but it really, <laughs> you know, it was really a slew of the top um, telcos in the world coming together uh, saying we are united on this front, uh, enabling XR, and um, and not only XR just as a technology, uh, but also another thing that we highlighted together with the telcos is um, is a more open ecosystem, a way for developers uh, to develop once and be made available on multiple devices. You know we are strong believers in um, uh, in standards, in interoperability. Following OpenXR, and um, and that's where uh, we created our um, our own developer platform called Snapdragon Spaces, pretty much leveraging OpenXR, and uh, and the telcos are big believers on that. So they want to have um, a more open um, a more open uh, ecosystem, maybe more like the web, maybe more like the physical world. Right, it's not like, uh, hey, I only if I want to buy a shoe in the physical world, it's not only I can only go to Walmart and Target. I can go to multiple stores. I can go to the shoe the shoe manufacturer store. I can go to a shoe store. 
I can go to Walmart. And I think that um, you know, many of the, the telcos are, are looking at this world. And for that, um, you know, an open ecosystem is something that um, is to their advantage. And that was part of the big uh, discussion this week uh, here in Barcelona. So, so Hugo, let me ask you a question through this lens. You and I have known each other for a long time, been in many, many, you know, interesting meetings and cycles with you and Brian and Patrick and the whole team from, uh, from Qualcomm. Um, you are focused on knocking down the technical barriers, right? And building the hardware and the underlying hardware, the chipsets that can be the enabler. And that is starting to work. From your personal perspective, what do you think is missing out of the AR equation? Why is it still an edge case with all the technology that we have, yeah. with all the dollars and the resources that companies like Qualcomm and everyone else in the sector is putting into the space? Why is it not further along in its journey? What do you think is missing yeah. that people need to focus on? This is what I'm curious about. Okay, I'm going to give you an example. Some people like it, some people don't. I love it. And the reason is because I grew up you know, my career started with the mobile, right? When we started to go from internet to mobile internet, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like deja vu for me. You know, my early days in my careers, it was like, hey, Hugo, how are you going to sell data to phones? <laughs> right? What's the use case? What's missing? Hey, you have been talking years about it and, you know, it's still not there. Well, guess what? Um, it was, uh, in my view, four key vectors of development. One is the processing, right? Hey, back then you needed a, you know, a strong GPU, GPU, you know, cameras, um, you know, back then, you know, having a, a camera on a phone was a strange thing, right? What a camera on a phone, but you know, those are the kind of things that uh, we at Qualcomm um, invested and created um, uh, in that journey, right? We went from, um, um, uh, where, where, where we went from, um, uh, you know, a solution where we were selling modems to a solution where we were selling um, a computer, you know, together with uh, with a modem. So, so, um, and so that's one of the components, right? Is the the processing that is needed for this new transformational um, kind of technologies. The second one is connectivity, right? You need super fast, low latency, high throughput. Okay, um, the third one um, is uh, the display, right? The display, you know, in, in our case here, the optics. You know, back then, oh, do you wanna watch uh, NFL on your phone? Uh, of course, but if the screen is very small, I mean, who's gonna want it, right? And, um, and the fourth one is really related to the, the ecosystem, the content, you know, the application. So to me, these are the main four vectors um, that we saw in the transformation from the internet to the mobile internet. And now from the mobile internet to the spatial internet, to me, these are the four. So now back to your question, what's missing, you know, yeah, for us missing? to get in AR? Yeah. Um, um, I believe that with, uh, on the processor vector, this is it. You know, right. this is a very good start. I'm not saying this is the end, you know, there are going to be, you know, generations of, of products, but it's, it's a very good starting point. I think we are unblocked uh, for the processor component on the glass. Connectivity, well, in this first phase, we're not saying connectivity directly to the cloud. I'm not saying 5G in the glass. That's something, of course, we're working on, but still we see uh, connectivity, you know, to a, uh, uh, um, proximate compute unit, like a phone, mm. and Wi-Fi 7 is pretty darn good for it. Yeah. So then, okay, if I have the processor, I have the connectivity, uh, let's say check marked, right? So then we go to the displays and optics, and uh, maybe Ronnie is probably one of the, the better ones here to, to chime in here, but you know, I do see a lot of progress in this front. Um, you know, I do expect, over the next uh, a couple of years, a lot of improvement in, um, um, so then in 2023, oh, something else that we announced uh, here in Barcelona, or actually a partner of ours, uh, Gore-Tec, uh, they're, they're, they're a very good partner uh, on the ODM front, kind of building reference designs. They, they build a very nice um, reference design with AR2. 
Um, granted, uh, it's uh, it's still using um, freeform kind of optics, right? So it's um, um, it's not a, a waveguide yet. But when you see the pictures of it, and hopefully I'll, I'll give you guys to try, it's pretty good. It's not a glass that I'm going to be walking on the street yet, um, you know, using the whole day. But for many applications, it's going to work just fine. And, uh, and the good thing is that they, uh, these type of optics, uh, they are uh, more cost um, uh, friendly. Mm. So... Um, and then, then what I expect is this: these glasses they will be used um, um, episodically. So if I'm going to play a game, if I'm going to do my work, if I'm going to have a multi-monitor experience, I put these glasses on. But it's not yet, you know, the 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 substitute to the phone, which will take still a few years um, uh, to come. So so I do expect um, over, you know. End of this year, 2024, we're gonna we're gonna start to see very interesting uh, glasses following AR2, um, and then um, you know I do expect a ramp uh, in the two probably years uh, following it. I, I would love to hear your perspective, uh, Roni, too. You got I I, sh I share your optimism in, in it, and I think your experience of the internet going to mobile and the uh, actually quite quite intense number of years it took for it to really happen people forget that yeah um is, is really important like just like that people forget history i just want to throw out a couple more factors beyond your four just get your reaction um i think unlike the phone i think the weight on your face is fundamentally important and that means like pushing engineering and tech much harder much much more intense than anything we ever had to do on mobile phone i think the second one is like all uh, all the thermal issues when you try to pack something in so powerful, so small. Uh, and then two more, uh, fashion is one, because like the phone could be fashionable, but something on your face that you're really going to use, like you guys are obviously wanting wide consumer adoption, has yeah. just got to be cool, period, and and lightweight, and I could wear it for many hours at a time. But I think the one that I, I obsessed about, I don't think the industry obsessed enough in your position to maybe push this, the physiologic factors of this, phone never had to deal with. Uh, my, just my take is when something is that close to your eye and brain, it is actually a form of brain computer interface. Yeah. And if the industry realizes that's happening, we will do away with things that make you sick that don't just, you know, they, they don't respond to what the body needs. And I see like so many companies spending billions of dollars, ignoring the body. And this is a brain computer interface in my view. I just wanted to get your take on those because mm -hmm. I agree with everything you said. But I think the circuit, I think if this is like a wind circuit, everything has to go green, must yeah. also include those other factors for this market to take off and for you to sell billions of chips, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, the, the first part of your comment, you know, this is something that we're addressing head on, right? The power and thermals, um, you know, with AR2, uh, we achieved uh, less than one watt. Um, of uh, processing uh, power uh, for for the key components, and um, a few things that that we have done is uh, actually uh, it's uh, it's distributed processing not only between the glass and a phone, but even within the glass, uh, we actually have uh, three chips, and not only it's both because uh, physical space, you know, so that we can better distribute. Um, um, the the circuitry within the glass, but also about heat dissipation, right? If you concentrate all the 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 power generated in one spot, well, it's harder to dissipate that that uh, the power. So by by enabling it, you know, connectivity on one side, you know, some processing on the other side, a little bit in the front, and the other thing that it helps by putting a little bit in the front is that you can connect many sensors. It's kind of an aggregator of sensors that you can then send it to um, the main processing unit in the glass. But I think the key is going back to um, distributed processing between the glass and a phone or the glass and a PC, where um, really the heavy rendering you don't do on the glass, right? You do it on a companion unit, and um, and that's where uh, the the heavy workloads uh, happen. And it's a big system problem, right? Because uh, it's uh, it's the, it's the power, it's the performance. You know, these three 
I mean, what do you do on the head versus on the phone? And do we do that dynamically? Do we do it that fix? Um, it's a big, and this is what Qualcomm is great at. And this is why, you know, we think this is um, something that Qualcomm really needs to go, um, um, you know, head on. Um, and, um, and, you know, I, I think that's kind of a, talks to our pedigree of uh, low power, uh, high performance. Um, you know, when we look into all our key IPs, that's what we strive for. Now on the physiological, on the, on the, on the, on the person, um, you know, we do what we can at Qualcomm to solve that problem, you know, when it comes to latency, uh, when it comes to, you know, ergonomics, um, and, and really, this is what we are trying to do as we work with developers, right? People that are creating experiences. Uh, I mean, even in, you know, the example of VR, you know, the early experiences of VR were horrible, not only because, um, you know, latencies and technology was not ready, but because the content was not made, you know, with the, what you're saying to account. So, or, you know, remember those roller coaster demos? I mean, that's the, you know, most sickening experience one can have. Technology aside, you know, your body is not moving, but you put yourself, you know, you're tricking your brain, you know, visually that you are moving and you have that disconnect and people just feel sick. So, so I think that part of it is, is the technology and that's the part that we at Qualcomm can help. Part of it is adapting the experience to where we are, you know, in, uh, in, in, in technology. And that's what, you know, I, I think that working closer with the developers and working closely with uh, our, our big, big tech partners, um, that's how, you know, we look at uh, trying to tackle the, the second one, Ronnie. It's interesting, we, we discussed previously, or certainly I saw at CES this proliferation of assisted reality. Yeah. It's like spatial computing, having a spatial understanding and understanding of your context may be a bridge too far for a while. I think Roni, you said last week it's kind of we need to take a breather and re you know recollect where we are in the technology that we're using. Um, and instead, in the near term, look at these applications like Enreal Air, where they're just screen extenders. Right. So, you know, you're using them to have a better experience consuming the media. You already can. You mentioned earlier, you know, people watching sports on their phone. Well, now here's a yeah. $100 accessory to your phone that allows you to watch that game on a simulated 200 inch screen. So for people who are looking at their hands playing games, th this could really change things. I, in one hand, one hand, I really agree, you know, hey, uh, let me give you another example going back to, to mobile, right? Or the mobile transformation. Um, hey, what was the use case, the killer use case, one of the killer use cases that you know started to drive uh, mobile internet? Email, right? Remember BlackBerry, yeah. right? So it was not a new use case, totally you know, not thought of that started mobile internet. You know, one of the killer use cases was email, right? And, and I oh. think the, the, what, what, what you're talking about is uh, similar that, hey, it's, it's, it doesn't have to be kind of a, you know, holographic uh, telepresence or you know, the, the ultimate uh, application that we all envision. It can just be, hey, it's the application that I use today, but experiencing a may, way more comfortable, more immersive um, um, way. So in that, in that regard, I 100% agree. But you know, my, my concern in trying, you know, some of these is that just having the content locked to your head, it's a kind of the, the problem that Roni was, was saying, I don't feel comfortable. You know, mm -hmm. as I move my head, the screen moves with me. Mm -hmm. It's just not great. It's not about, you know, the resolution is okay. I can do actually email. I can actually watch a video with that type of, of display but not having it anchored in the environment it's it's like uh, to me is uh it's you know it just yeah, and, those, and those problems are solved with a software layer like you know that, that that's that's, that's right. actually completely solved and solvable that's right. that's um right. 
the the biggest issue that I see is not necessarily the anchoring because the anchoring is a solvable problem. It's the the challenge of field of view on devices that have to kind of look like glasses or somehow somebody thinks they have to look like glasses um, is that you're constantly sort of, at least the developers, the, the developers you're working with that you provide the chipsets to are constantly trying to ride this line between defining the proper field of view and the proper ergonomics. And it's almost an impossible line to thread because everybody wants the holy grail of a massive field of view, but nobody wants to sort of commit to the problem of the fact that, you know, that requires a larger device. Um, and it's an interesting well, conundrum. You know, that's why it's so nice to be working on this space right now, because, uh, um, you know, there's no perfect solution yet, but there are many paths that we're working towards yeah. that. I mean, even the the VR with pass-through, what we are calling kind of mixed reality, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, it, it's a little bit bigger, but, you know, it solves that, uh, you know, field of view uh, problem, right. right? As you start to get better mixed reality, better video pass-through, you know, the experiences will start to come. So I think it is a, a very valid, a very important uh, path of evolution. Then you have, um, I mean, I, I actually, you know, I am a fan of uh, those uh, bigger bird bath solutions where I don't know if you, I mean, me let me, huh? Yeah, me too. We have a bunch of them and I, the clarity works well. Uh, the weight distribution works well. I think, by the way, so if, if this is not public, we can cut this part out because I think it is public, but you can tell us if it's not. The big agent of change that I think is so critical to what you're working on is the fact that today all of these, uh, what Charlie refers to as these extended screen concept things that are fairly lightweight and comfortable and relatively inexpensive to buy are all tethered by a USB-C cable. But in the very near future, that all goes wireless. And that's public information from Qualcomm, right? I'm not saying anything that's not that's secret. Uh, well, the device manufacturers are saying that. Yeah, this 100. percent That's uh, that's kind of what the the whole concept of the AR2 was. This it's wireless. Yeah. Right. Using Wi-Fi seven, so it's here. I think it's not a technology barrier anymore to have. Uh, so so going back, so I think that there is the kind of VR MR kind of track is going to get better and smaller and so forth. Yeah, there is on the lower end, um, kind of a, this very simple glasses that oh, first they are locked to your head. Now hey, add a software layer like you were saying that anchored, and the field of view is not perfect, but you know some people will prefer that, and um, and then you have this kind of all in ones AR. So almost like these three four categories, they're going to evolve and you know I think converge. But, but, you know, I think as Qualcomm, what we do is enable the industry. You know, we're working with all these type of devices. And, um, and I think what, what's good is that um, all of them will help each other uh, as experiences are built for one, you know, that can migrate to others. As long as we know we have a, a common kind of a developer platform. Well, and as, as, as you refer to the enabling the industry, it would be interesting to see, I don't know if you can name them all off the top of your head, but you guys literally support and create the entire industry with some notable exceptions. So like, it'd be interesting to see if you can tick off the names of all the devices in the XR category that you support, because the only two that I know that you are not actively supporting are Magic Leap and potentially whatever's going on with Apple. Everybody else I think is Qualcomm. Am I right yeah. about that? that? That's correct. And, and um, I think, that, you know, Qualcomm, and again, one of the learnings from the mobile and uh, some of the other industries that we have is we created a model to scale, right? That we work in a certain way with the, the big companies. Uh, you know, back in September, we announced, uh, you know, Cristiano and, and Mark Zuckerberg, Cristiano, our CEO, and Mark Zuckerberg announced a multi-generation partnership. So working super tightly with, uh, with the, the, the big guys. But we also build things like reference designs and in, in a software stack that is easy for a startup to create products. So um, I think that's kind of a, our model. And you know, last I count, I think we're above 65 devices that we launched um, um, you know, between VR and AR, consumer enterprise. 
and you know, on that, of course, you count the multiple generations that Pico did, the multiple generations that Meta did, um, Lenovo, uh, but then you know, guys like Vuzix and Realware right. and um, and Rio and so forth. So, so I think that that's kind of the the model of creating, um, you know, a horizontal platform that multiple people can 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 innovate, can create. And um, and then you know I also working super closely with the the big tech uh, companies. Yeah, well then the chips become cost effective, right? You're able to sell them that's at right. a price point that they can deploy these things and make a viable device that's in the just few hundred dollars, which we're already seeing start to enter into the market commercially. So it's a and, good time and, and by the way, uh, Ted, you know you 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 asked about the wireless uh, connection, um, you know, within glasses and phones. A couple more um, news that came here at MWC. Xiaomi showed uh, this uh, wireless uh, glass um, uh, prototype, uh, and um, and and then um, you know OnePlus showed you know their phone that is ready to be paired with mm -hmm. glasses from uh, multiple companies. So so this is um, okay. Me uh, doing a little bit of marketing about our products, but you know when when. Uh, and we created a program called the Spaces Ready, and and think about it as a compatibility uh, program between phones and glasses, right? So you know you can have a phone that is Spaces Ready. Well, that means that any glass that is Spaces Ready, I can wirelessly connect to it. Mm. So so then you know you, you you're going to be able to mix and match uh, devices from different manufacturers. Uh, you know, glasses from different manufacturers with phones from different manufacturers uh, through this uh, Spaces Ready program. So again, uh, you know, just tying back into what, uh, why the telcos are so excited about uh, working with uh, with Qualcomm, with Spaces, and 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 you know, leveraging the mobile uh, players to to drive some of it. I have a ton more things I want to talk to you about, Hugo. We're we're out of time. It's going to get boring for our listeners uh, to keep us uh, going on and on. But uh, amazing that you've taken time out at a really, really busy time uh, to share some news with us and to talk about XR, uh, our favorite topic. So yeah. <laughs> with that, uh, this is our show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. And we'll talk to you next Friday. Thanks for nice joining us from Barcelona, you. Hugo. We appreciate it. All right. Nice talking to you. Thanks, guys. Bye.